Lord, we thank you and we praise you for being the God who saved us. Not that there's anyone else, but we are so glad it was you. You're perfect in all of your ways, in all of your person and in your character. You're righteous and holy and gracious and merciful. And you are just, but yet chose to be the justifier of those who have faith in Christ. And this was all at very, very great expense to yourself in the sacrifice of your son. And we are grateful that his might and his glory and his Godhood was put on display when he resurrected from the dead, validating the payment for us. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would minister to us in a special way as we look ahead uh, personally at 2016 and what growth might look like. And, <clears throat> Lord, as I speak in very general terms, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be speaking in specifics to each person's heart and would be allowing us to see that we really have no excuses that, uh, that work for not growing uh, in what it means to, to know you and to follow you more. And Lord, <clears throat> if anything, the excuses keep us from experiencing greater blessing in greater fullness. And so, Lord, that's, that's what we pray for. That's what we seek. And so, Lord, uh, speak to us through your word this morning, I pray, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I ask you, what's your excuse for the level of growth you experienced in 2015? And granted by that question, I'm, I'm assuming that, that it was low or that it was lower than you desired. And, and I don't mean to heap any additional guilt or shame on you that the enemy might be uh, working with here. I hope that if there's anything you see from our passage this morning, it's that we have been set free from guilt and shame. But what is your excuse? I'm constantly amazed at my ability to make excuses. Uh, maybe for not doing something important and those consistent practices that help me grow. I'm embarrassed at how often I, I complain to Kelly uh, at some point saying, but, but if you could just, or if our kids would just, and so often I think if my schedule was just a little more, I can tell you this, as long as I'm making excuses of why I can't do something, I have no hope for accomplishing it. We're, we're kind of following a, a analogy of building a house this morning. And I think of how Habitat for Humanity it builds homes for families who are not able to afford them. And, and the person being blessed with this new home, they're expected to do some of the projects themselves. From what I understand, the land and the supplies and the plans and the expert contractors are all supplied 
But the person would be expected to do some of that cleanup work, some of that finishing work, some of that grunt gopher work. You know, they're not expected to lay the foundation of the home as this would be something that would be uh, too critical, needs to be done right and sound, or the whole thing is, is a bust. Our passage this morning leads us to the importance that we have to do in walking, those important things that we have to do in walking with Christ. But first it shows us how we have been given everything we need to grow especially a good foundation. So if you can click on uh, slide three there. See in 2 Peter 1, 2 through 9, where he writes, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted That he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. My hope this morning is to diffuse the lies that you may have been believing. You may have been believing that that you're, you're missing something in order to grow in a relationship with Christ. And I'm really speaking this morning plainly to anyone who has received Christ as their Savior, who has placed their total trust in Him and in His person and work, in His death and in His resurrection, to gain a relationship with God through Him. So you may be believing that that you're missing something to be able to grow in Christ. You may be believing that you have to maintain some level of godliness in order to keep your relationship with God. Or you may be believing that there's nothing that you can do in order to better your walk with God through Christ. Or you may be believing that you're not growing in walking with Christ, that if that's the case, there's something that he just hasn't given you. You know, it's his fault, not me. The main idea that we're getting at this morning is we are called to grow in God's grace and peace. Peter says to his readers, Here, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And that might sound strange because we have this tendency to think, well, grace is what saves me. Grace doesn't grow me. Why would I need it to multiply to me? 
But the truth is, is that God's unmerited favor is both saving and sanctifying. It's a pro- it produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, and as we've talked about before, grace we should be experiencing a cycle of gospel grace. The same cycle that we experience in coming to Christ, in realizing that our sins need to be dealt with and that we can't do that on our own. And we realize that the grace that God has provided through Christ in order to deal with our sins and we embrace that grace and we grow in that grace. It's the same cycle that we face as we need to grow in our relationship with God, as we're confronted with our need to grow, as we're confronted with maybe those things that we didn't even see before, but God graciously through his Holy Spirit brings to our attention and we realize that that we need to deal with this area. But then he brings us to realize that God's grace through Christ has dealt with it and we embrace that grace and we allow him to grow us again. It's the same cycle that we go through as we grow, just as when we're saved. That grace is to be multiplied. That peace is to be multiplied. It's a tranquility of heart. That's the result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a result of being fully convinced of and experiencing God's grace and no longer fearing condemnation by Him because of Christ. We don't longer fear that. And we should be multiplying in both that grace and in that peace that we are set in our relationship with him. We have a firm foundation built for us. And this is in, we find this as as the verse tells us, in the knowledge of God. The knowledge here is not facts and figures and, and information and how big was the temple and how tall was Mount Sinai. This is experiential, precise knowledge from walking in relationship with God that Peter prays and challenges his readers that and us that we might grow and have God's grace and multiplied in us through our experiencing and walking with God ourselves through Christ. But also, setting the table here for the rest of the passage, we see that he says, be multiplied to you. And this is plural, okay? Uh, We Southerners have a better grasp of this idea, and we use the term y'all, okay? It's may grace and peace be multiplied to y'all. And he's talking to us as a body, just as much as individually. May there be grace and peace multiplied among us as a body of Christ, in relationship with him as a body, in relationship with each other as a body. We're focusing this morning on what God, on what God has been doing as y'all, in y'all as a body. And we're also looking forward to what he does. And we believe that, that, that he needs to be doing among us. All of this in becoming more and more of harvesters on gospel mission in our daily lives. And as we'll see from our passage, that that starts with a firm foundation of understanding who we are in Christ. 
So notice the first step in our grace and peace being multiplied in knowing what we have in Christ. And that's that we have been graced with all we need to grow. He says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, it starts with that God's showing off, okay? He, uh, I told, I, I said I wasn't going to speak in terms of overflowing and things like that because of the floodwaters outside, but he overabundantly has exploded with his power all that we need. The, the term here is dunamis, which we get dynamic or even dynamite. His explosive power has delivered to us all that we need. This is the same term that Paul uses in, in Romans 1.16 that we'll get to in a couple of weeks here, where he talks about he's not ashamed of the gospel because it's, it is the, it's the power, it's the explosive, dynamic power of God for salvation. And we see here what Peter is saying is that same power of God has supplied us with everything that we need for walking with him in life and godliness. Another idea here is he says that it's granted to us. It reflects a regal or royal giving of a gift. And this is in the perfect tense, which means it's a completed action with present results. In other words, everything that we need to grow has been given to us with no strings attached. It's done. And it's been given to us for life and godliness. This is the abundant life that Jesus spoke of. There's a term for life that's like, it's called bios, and it basically means it's alive, it's living, it's heart is pumping, it keeps going. It's, we think in also, you know, food, shelter, clothing, that's what we need for life. This is not that word. This word is zoe. It's, it's, it's dynamic life. It's alive. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's growing. It's, 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 you just can't deny the fact that there's life here. It's an abundant life that Jesus spoke of. It's a fullness of life that enlivens us to God and it fills us to the point that there isn't a void that we need to fill with the practice of sin. And through what are followers of Christ able to gain? What we need for life and godliness, it's through knowing him better and better. That's how we gain what it is that he's given to us, all that we need for life and godliness, through knowing him better, keeping with our idea of walking with God, being like a home that we're given. Jesus gives us the key to enter into this relationship, and many want to leave their relationship with Jesus right there. He, he's the key giver. You know, he, he, he gets me in the door, Right? That's all I need him for. But the fact is, the home that we're given is meant to be a place where we live in it with Jesus. 
It's a place of communion with Him. Even further, as we live with Him, we start to realize that what we thought was our home, our life, actually belongs to Him. This place that He's established for me, the foundation that He's laid of my relationship with Him based on His person and work, this new life in Christ, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to Him. And back to our verses, we see that God draws us into experiencing His very nature. Again, He says, who called us corporately, plural. Who called us into His own glory and excellence. Jesus isn't just the person that we live with in this home. Realizing that He rightfully owns our lives. We're meant to live more and more that our life is to be all about Him. It's like keeping with a house analogy here. We start realizing this, this home that we live in with Jesus, that we see that all the scrapbooks are about Him. All the TV programs are about Him. All the wall art is all about Him. And it's about His glory and about His goodness. We experience His glory and His goodness as we realize that it's not just about living with Him, that He's living in us. As Paul talks about Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we, as we grow individually, taking advantage of everything we have been given, everything we need for life and godliness, we grow corporately. And as we grow corporately, as we do things like, hey, let's go down to St. Kitts. Let's, let's be involved there. Um, let's, let's participate in these ways. We grow individually in our relationship with the Lord. That's, that's what is exciting to me in working with the servant team and to see these guys growing and in, in, in what it means to equip people, what it means to encourage people, what it means to, what, what in ministry should we be focusing on that helps people to grow in their walk with the Lord. That Yeah, we're getting things done. But the goal is for people to grow in their walk with the Lord individually. And by that we grow corporately. And as we go corporately, as we do things corporately together, like church work day and stuff like that, we grow individually. And that's our goal. And again, the foundation of growth is in the fact that we have been given, we have been graced with a new nature through the gospel. Now I want to start again at verse Three, but we're getting to verse 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which, speaking of that glory and excellence, He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world 
because of sinful desires. Again, it uses this term that this has been granted. It's given completely, no strings attached. It's been done and you experience the benefit of it. And it's granted to us, what has been granted to us is the promises of the gospel. The promises of both forgiveness and reconciliation and redemption and restoration and walking in in physical presence and relationship with God again one day. And as a side note here, notice that growth and maturing in our relationship with the Lord, we see how we grow in how precious His promises are. And this brings us to the result of responding to the gospel. We might be able to join, and this seems kind of like new age out there, like what is the time? Joining in the divine nature. Partakers, it says, of the divine nature through these, the great promises of the gospel. This, this term partakers is is, and I know I'm throwing a lot of Greek stuff at you this morning. I apologize for that. But it's koinonos. And the only reason why I say that is for some of you, it's like, oh, that sounds like something else. It sounds like koinonia. And koinonia means fellowship. It means sharing together. It's what we do when we get together. And we're called fellowshippers in the same way, fellowshipping with the divine nature when we come to Christ as our Savior, that fellowship that is enjoyed by the Trinity that Adam and Eve got to walk with, we are welcomed into that through receiving the gospel, through receiving the truth and trusting in Christ as our Savior. We come into fellowship with the Trinity. And we also, as it says, that second result is escaping the rot of sin. Where he says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now we, we talked a bit this last Christmas over the fact that Jesus could not be, Jesus, it was necessitated that he be born of a virgin. He could not be born of Joseph's seed because the sin of Adam would have then passed to him. And if you need to know what I mean by seed, ask your parents or ask your spouse when you get home. He could not be born of Joseph's seed. And I use that term for a specific reason. And 1 Peter 1.23 says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. And that's what Peter has talked about in his first letter. That when a person is born again, it's as if that connection with Adam is severed and we're born again as Jesus was born of imperishable seed. Made new. It's like we were remade new all over again. We're made to be able to lose our corrupted old nature, receive a new nature, and join in the fellowship of the triune God again as a result of believing God's 
precious promises. This is the foundation that God has built our life with him on. And in God's eyes, it's as if we've been born from above, as John 3 talks about. Born again rather than being connected to Adam's sin. So imagine you're, you're the recipient of that, let's say it's an extreme home makeover house. It's the HGTV 2016 dream home, right? Or I call it HCTV, home coveting television. Um, so you're the recipient of the 2016 dream home. But you don't take the key and open the door because you're trying to save up enough money to buy it. Do you see why the foundation of our gospel relationship with God must be laid soundly? We must be reminding ourselves and each other of who we are in Christ. It's as crazy as being given a home. Be like, this is great. Where am I going to find a million dollars when we don't have to? It's bought and paid for. And that's why Peter's bringing his readers back to this truth, laying out the idea that through God's precious promises, you were born again. You may, you've become a partaker of the divine nature. You've escaped the corruption that came into the world because of sinful desire. And this is a part of convincing them. There's nothing that you need beyond what God has given you to grow in everything that he plans for in life and godliness. We've been granted entrance into the fellowship with the triune God through the gospel. And upon believing it, we're made totally new and enlivened by the Holy Spirit. As Romans 6, 12 tells us, we must then consider ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's work to be done up here in making it so. You know, the coaching that we encouraged you toward and that... that um, was just a, a wonderful thing to see people step forward to, to coach others and, and to be coached. And some people said, I want to coach and I want to be coached. And I know maybe some of those are waning and things. And, and again, we, we, we're praying, we want to be praying through, how do we equip you as a body for what you want to do in these areas? But it's such an excellent example. And what it needs to start with as I have counseled some of you in this, is the basis, the foundation of who we are in Christ. I want to ask you, you to ask yourself this question. Am I at work with what God has granted to me? Ask yourself that for 2016 here. Am I at work where does God want me to be at work with what he has granted to me? Because that's, that's, that's what Peter's laid the table out for here, of verses 5 through 9. For this very reason, for the reason of everything we've been given, for the reason that fact that he has supplied us that all that we need make every effort 
to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And some of you are like, oh, if it was just that easy, okay, I'll just add it. No, it's not easy. We need help. We need one another. But first of all, we need to be fully convinced that nothing stands in our way that God has not removed the power of in his name. All right? That's the, fir- the enemy's first line of defense is, uh, you haven't been given enough for this. You need more of something. And that's what we see obliterated in this passage. These are important, vital aspects of walking in relationship with God. They're the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and their growth should give us assurance of our relationship with God. Things that he lists off here. And at the same time, we're called to make every effort to add them to our walk of faith. So imagine you're you're the person receiving this dream home, right? Right? You've been handed the keys, but you're not moving in because there's still some trim to be done. Or maybe you're still living in somebody's basement because the caulking hasn't been done around the tub. What you don't realize is the expectation that you and Jesus will finish these things after you've moved in. And so you're standing outside the home frustrated because he's not finishing it up. I don't want to tease that analogy out too far in things. Probably already have. You see what is laid out here is the relationship of walking in his grace and working with him in his grace and applying his grace and growing in his grace. And he's given very very specific things that are helpful, virtue, Knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. And I'll tell you, with each one of these, I just feel like going shorter and shorter. You know, just like, ugh. But we've given, given everything we need to do this. And we've been given each other. These are character qualities that we are to pursue in the power of our new nature and the Holy Spirit. And once again, they're the types of qualities that we should reach out to each other to get coaching in these areas. You know, struggle with self-control and you respect somebody that you feel like they just have a lot of self-control? Go to them. You know, maybe they're struggling with brotherly affection. And they're saying, you know, I could use some help in that area. As well, our walk with God is affected by how much we intentionally pursue growing in godly character as he continues on in verse 8 here. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities 
is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Our fruitfulness in ministry, individually and as a body, in being on gospel mission, is directly related to our growth in Christ, our growth in virtue, our growth in godliness, our growth in self-control, our growth in steadfastness and love. At the same time, our understanding of what it means to be forgiven and free is affected by our pursuit of godliness. I mean, how sad, having forgotten that we were cleansed from former sins. Let me just challenge you to look at yourself over the last year. Okay? Is there greater virtue? Is there greater knowledge of the things of the Lord? Is there greater self-control? Greater steadfastness? Greater godliness? Greater love? You grow in these areas by putting into practice who you already are in Christ. And growing in them allows you to be fruitful. And not growing these character traits causes you to forget who you are in Christ. We lose track of the truth of God's precious promises in the gospel that way. And it's sad, just as sad as a homeless person who has a home to go to. Give attention, I challenge you, give attention this year to how you want to grow in Christ. We as shepherds would love to help. And there'll be folks up front. If you're just like, I, I, know, I know, this morning I know where I want to grow. I want to get help this morning. There'll people be people up front to help. Reach out for coaching from one another in these areas. We have no excuse not to grow. Let's bow our heads. Gracious God. You have given us overabundantly. More than we can ask or think. And Father, each one of us because of the loving work of your Holy Spirit, has areas that, that we want to set aside or we want to grow in to be able to enjoy you more. And if not, Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd, you'd give us a vision for 2016, not of getting better, but of being able to enjoy what you've made us. Lord, I pray that you give us hearts and minds that are open to each other, open to helping. I pray, Lord, that you'd move in small groups, that you'd move in personal relationships, in Bible studies that happen. Lord, that we would seek to help one another, to better enjoy all that we have in you. Lay these things on our hearts for this coming year, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.